welcome back to the Stick 'Em Up podcast, Rundi. We're uh, we're doing a half week uh, update episode here, and we uh, we got a, quite a few things that have happened since last Friday. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, it was a you know we thought it was just going to be the 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 all star game and and whatnot, and we we got a lot more um, extra stuff thrown in throughout the weekend, so it, it worked out perfectly here because we got a. We got a lot of big news here to to go over of, of what's kind of happened. Um, w- with that, I mean, where wh- where do you want, where do we want to jump into with this? We got, uh, we got a we lot, got a lot of, of big news. Like, um, I think it might be easiest for us to uh, um, kind of uh, get to the one thing that's less fun out of the way right at the start because the rest of this is all, uh good trades to look at uh fun news for the league and the all-star competition so i think we'll uh we'll start with the uh london police uh investigation findings and they're talking yeah. on that yeah if you want to kind of go over what uh what was put out um yesterday through through their press conference i watched it i mean again you know kind of like what we discussed a lot of it was was what we kind of knew already. And it was basically just, okay, now it's um, kind of confirmed. But yeah, y- if so, you've got anything else to to throw in from it. Yeah. And uh, of course, uh, always with this um, situation comes a bit of a uh, trigger warning for a uh, sexual assault uh, type uh, dealings. Um, but basically, and so this part I'm prefacing, we've known this for about a year and a half, almost two years at this point. But we knew that there was the uh, the victim, the Jane Doe, uh, was fed shots um, after meeting a uh, hockey player on the 2018 Canada World Juniors team. Um, they were at a bar with where all the team was uh, hanging out. And this person uh, fed shots to them and invited them back to the hotel room. And they said yes. And so they went there and they had sex and then they invited over, I want to say seven um, other players on the team. I guess I don't know how many invited, but seven showed up. Three of them, I I guess they were like in the room, but didn't participate or they were like nearby. But no, they are those three, we don't know who they are and they're not being charged with anything. The other four uh, joined in and at this point had uh, very much non-consensual sex with uh, Jane Doe. Um, We now know uh, basically that the one who invited them and was feeding her shots at the bar was uh, Michael McLeod. And that the, we know at this point that the other four were uh, Cal Foote, Dylan Dubé, Alex Formanton and Carter Hart. Um, And so we were maybe expecting a little more info on their press release on Monday, but really it was just um, reaffirming that, uh, you know, knowing that these guys, where they slot into the story, that was a bunch of question marks. So we do yeah. know that uh, Michael McLeod was, if you want to call it the ringleader or the guy who got it started, whatever. So he's facing two charges um in this case and uh the other four are all facing one 
um, since he kind of uh, initiated it. But uh, that's basically where we stand with it at the moment. Um, they are officially being tried. It sounds like they're not going to get a verdict for until 2025, 2026. It sounds like it's going to be a long process. Yeah, we're at least a year away. Um, at the very Almost moment. everything I've seen any official London police uh, say anything in any context, uh, they have reiterated time and time again that uh, the woman in question's identity will be protected at all costs. And yeah. I think that's really important. I, I'm very glad that they're doing that. Um, you know, when things like this happen to some people, it's it's very difficult for them to be uh, anonymous afterwards. You know, who knows if Kyle Beach actually wanted to be known as the the guy in the 2010 Chicago Blackhawks case. So, uh, yeah, we we know for sure. We don't have to speculate if it's them anymore but it is those five guys and uh gary bettman made a very telling statement um a couple days ago as well where he said that um he just kind of reiterated the rules that the league if something if you're involved in a criminal investigation or something like that uh your contract can be terminated by the league he very much said can. I think that mm-hmm. was that was a direct message to the Flames, the Flyers, and the Devils to say your respective guys involved in this case, you guys need to cancel these uh, contracts. Uh, do it. It really said to me like he wants them to do it, but he will make your franchise look crappy by doing it himself if you don't. Yeah. So it was pretty kind of like, you know, hey guys, do this and it won't be a problem. I don't don't make me have to go over and cancel the contracts myself. So Yeah. He um, also did say though that all those teams would be given cap relief, like all those players' contracts are no longer gonna count towards their yeah, their team is, cap hit. This as is well. not a buyout. This would be a uh a contract termination yeah. because of that. So, mm-hmm. and you know what? I don't, I don't really care about the cap space. I think this situation is so beyond worrying about the team's cap space. You know, do the Flyers deserve the cap relief from Carter Hart's contract? Like, I don't think that's, that's the main focus. No, but that may, I mean, that is like, that is still a part of it. It's so yeah, he's not yeah, really yeah. being like, oh, you're forced to you know, terminate it because otherwise you've got this contract, like the contracts already don't count. Whereas if it was, if it was like, yeah, yeah, their contracts still count, then that's easily going to push the teams to, to, to terminate those contracts and cut Uh, ties immediately. I see. I see. Because as of right now, like the teams aren't in a bind with those contracts because it's, it's not penalizing them with, you know, the trade deadline coming up or anything. Whereas, If it was like, yeah, they, like their contracts still count in in their entirety, then I think that the teams would be way more inclined to uh, wrap things up quickly and get those contracts terminated right away. Yeah, and I got to imagine on top of his uh, his little uh, comment there that he probably reached out to each GM and was like, "Hey, guys, within the week, yeah. wrap this up." Like, 
Yeah. I'm sure they don't want any more bad press from this than they've already gotten. Not like it, it happened in the league or anything, but it's it's still not a good yeah. look on hockey as a whole, and the NHL is hockey to a lot of people, so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, now that the press conference happened and everything is 100% like out there now and confirmed it, um, yeah, teams should now definitely have the green light to make their decision and know that it's 100% the right one and they've got all the facts presented to them now. Yeah. Um, but with that being said, that's pretty much all we know about that for now and it sounds like it's all we're going to know on that for quite a bit unless we get something new that we're not really expecting yeah yeah as of right now it doesn't sound like we're getting anything else um anytime soon as of right now but again that that could very well change based on you know any more findings they have or anything because they, i think they've kind of made it clear that you know they're, they're going to keep the public in the loop of of what's going on in terms of major progression within kind of what's what's going on leading up to whenever you know uh the the trial is set to begin whether that's in 2025 2026 or not we don't really know on that but we know it's at least going to be a year from now at least a year yeah um but moving on uh from that we got besides that uh we got a lot of fun stuff uh with hockey as of late um yeah do you have a do you have a preference of which uh we start with i mean probably the the least fun news out of everything else we have is uh it happened very um shortly after we finished recording our our last episode last week um but the la kings um finally did relieve todd mcclellan um, of his head coaching duties with the team and Jim Hiller has been named an interim uh, head coach for the remainder of the season. And just yesterday they did hire um, former Ottawa senators head coach. Um, what's his name? DJ Smith. Um, he will now be joining the team Smith? as an assistant coach. I didn't see um, that. Oh, wow. So, I mean, a pretty big shakeup for LA who started off the season setting records one of the hottest teams in the league um and i in my opinion still one of the best head coaches in the league um now finds himself without a job like it's he's gonna have no trouble finding finding new work around the league yeah yeah it, it like by the beginning of next season he'll um potentially even the end of this season you know if another team decides to part ways with a coach i think tom mcclellan will definitely be um, at the top of, of the interview list. One thing My... I want to ask you, just because I'm not 100% sure if it happens really ever or not, um, do you ever see, like, when a head coach that is very, has so much pedigree hits the free agency, uh, do you ever see teams that their coach wasn't really in the hot seat? Do you ever see teams, like, fire their head coach and bring in this new no. guy? Like, even no. if they could get them you just you yeah. only really see coaches get fired when things are bad enough to get fired but yeah you could see a shakeup like in the off season maybe but during the the regular season i you wouldn't see a and you know what i i think some teams need to think about that you know if yeah you know 
uh, for the, the Sharks, for example, I think Todd McClone would be a pretty good upgrade for them. Yeah, uh, but it's also right not now. very often you see a head coach return back to a team after he was fired once already, which sucks because I would love oh, him to go back to San Jose. I yeah. actually did not know he had been with the Sharks. Yeah, I would love him to go back there, but realistically, yeah, I, I don't see that happening. I, I don't. I probably don't see him landing anywhere throughout the remainder of this season just because I think we're kind of at the point now where, you know, unless it's a, a, a bottom team in the league, but even all those teams are have relatively new head coaches. Um, so you won't see a team, you know, in, in the playoff mix or in the playoffs really make a, a coaching change like this now. The only reason we did with LA is just because uh, things just kept going further and further south for them. And, uh, you know, even you could even just see in the players that they were starting to lose faith in what was happening there. And sometimes, yeah, I mean, a coaching change is needed. Like McClellan was great there for, for years. I feel like he took a team and made them overachieve um, every single year. Could have had a lot more playoff success. They always just ran into the Oilers and, uh, it was just kind of a, a a tough uphill battle for them. They they did what they could, but um, it's going to be interesting to see now what happens with the Kings throughout the remainder of the season, whether they start to trend upwards in the right direction again, or if they continue to to spiral and uh, go downhill even more and uh, maybe even miss the playoffs. Yeah, right now they're uh, they're pretty close to the playoff line, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. They're still right in the mix, but. Again, I think my biggest takeaway, um, it was my immediate one when this first happened. I think the LA Kings now, I think Rob Blake's in the hot seat. I think now. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I, I think McClellan is solely fired because of the doings of Rob Blake. Like you look at all the, the decisions he made last offseason, I think hurt the team. The Pierre-Luc Dubois. Way more. Like it's hard not to awful. talk about it. He gave up awful. a lot for a guy who's doing it just not doing anything for him over overvaluing his players um guys like brant clark jordan spence were expected to jump in and be full-time um nhlers which is why they they dumped off guys like sean walker who's having a career year in philly uh a, a, a player i'm really high on um sean dersey they ship him off to the coyotes he's he probably at the level he's playing on he'd probably be the best um uh, player on on the Kings right now, the way he's playing, like he is playing out of this world. And so I think it, you gotta you gotta start to look if the Kings miss the playoffs. Like I think How Rob they, Blake's got it. Yeah. He's he's got to be at least in question of whether or not they can trust him going forward. How many coaches does each GM get? Two to three. Yeah. Like yeah, exactly right. So he's he's burned through the one that's been there for a long time. So uh, we'll, we'll see all, all it takes is one more dubious trade and it's going to look bad because for every three good moves he's made in the past few years, uh, if you have a massive blunder, like the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade, that just, it's so hard to ignore that one. Yeah. Like, yeah, like it, it's, I'm sure he will turn it around, but at the moment, that contract looks like a boat anchor and you sent great pieces the other way. Yeah, exactly. It's 
Yeah, like the, the amount of bad decisions he's made is, has gone back like over the span of a year. Like I wasn't huge on them. Uh, I, I don't think Corpus Allo is the guy that they should have went out and got last year. I, I know that they did get Gavrikov as well, um, which was nice. But again, then, you know, Corpus Allo leaves for nothing. They don't like Cam Talbot's been serviceable, if you want to say that. But really, he didn't go out and do anything to address the goaltending, what did he do? He Ken went out. It's been pretty good for them. Has he not he, to start the season? But we kind of knew with, with a guy like Cam Talbot, you can't expect him to play 60 plus games and, and then still be the guy you ride um, in the playoffs, which is kind of what we're seeing. Like, I think he's, That's fair. he'd be a good goalie to work in a tandem, but to expect him to be your starter, like doesn't work. And instead of addressing that, you know, yeah. they go out and, sell the farm for Dubois, who everybody kind of knew wasn't going to be the player that he was with Winnipeg on a contract year. Like we knew he was, he was going to take a step back. And I mean, it's a lot worse than what we thought it was going to be, but. Yes, I, at the start of the season, I definitely would have agreed with you on Cam Talbot, but like, I'm looking at his stats here and 32 games played a nine 11 save percentage. Like, but think of how great his numbers were to at the start of the season, though. Like, a lot of that is still from early on in the season, true. But the early on the season counts, like, no, but that's what I'm saying. Like, it's 911, so that's what I'm saying, though, is like he can start the season off good, but you keep making him play so many games eventually, and that's gonna, yeah, if. Especially because I I don't know, know exactly how old he is, I'm pretty sure he's north of. 35 at this point he's, he's definitely 36 over 30. 36 yeah so and he's never been a guy who's played a ton of games so that is a very fair concern uh especially if he starts off hot and starts slowing down throughout the year um that is a very fair worry for them to have um like no no disrespect to cam talbot but realistically can he get you to the playoffs sure is he going to be a goalie that can put the team on his back when need be to win a cup no like that that that's what it is he can be a guy to get you to the playoffs but to win a cup like no i think i think he has lower chances of doing it but i i wouldn't put it past him we've seen the stretches of brilliance before and we've seen plenty of guys come out of nowhere and you know tim thomas was not a massive name before he went nuclear in the playoffs in 2011 um just last year we had uh who is it at Aaron Dell? no Aiden, Aiden Hill. Hill but also Aiden, Aiden Hill's a much younger goalie mm-hmm. which is the biggest thing like you know it's it's not very often you see these goalies with this kind of agent have never really been a true no. clear starter who plays 60 plus games um all of a sudden like boom it happens yeah and especially when I, th- I think there was, there was numerous goalies they could have went out and uh, tried to acquire. Like they, they could have easily made a move, and I'm, I'm, I'm not sure why they didn't. Um, who, who do you think uh, they should have got? Do you have like one in mind that you think like would have been a good guy to try well, they, and get? They could have easily sent a six round pick to the Devils for Mackenzie Blackwood. 
<laughs> yeah, that's true. Mackenzie McKen- Blackwood was available, and every team knew it, and so they they could have easily jumped in on that to uh, to secure him. Um, well, they they could have easily at the start of the season when you know the Flames were were tossed around the idea of trading Dan Vladar. They could have easily um, reached out and tried to make a deal to get a guy like Fladar when the flames are kind of weighing, what do they do with Dustin Wolf and like their, their mixture of goalies they had, uh, had going on there. Um, Casey DeSmith was moved out of Montreal at the start of the season. They could have, um, yeah, that's came in and tried, tried to get him answers. Actually, that's super fair. They, uh, there was a lot of guys available that. Now is is Casey to Smith necessarily better than Talbot? No, but maybe bringing in someone like him and then you roll a tandem of the two, like and you know we we kind of know what what David Riddick is now. Like he he had his one year in in Calgary where he's kind of the the biggest star in the city of Calgary, and then it's it's kind of all just gone down for him ever since. But you go out and acquire any one of those other goalies, and then you run a tandem of you know. 41 games each between Talbot and uh, the other guy, I think could have been more beneficial Yeah, um, for the Kings. And not only that, you, you just, you've always got a kind of a fresher goalie um, going back and forth between the two, which I yeah, think is I, why unless you have guys like Jackanen and Black would have been good. The future of the league, really. Like, yeah. Unless you have a Vasilevsky, we're seeing, especially from uh, uh, Jeremy Swayman, and uh Allmark. Linus Allmark that yeah. it's it's so good to have a a good tandem like that. Like Not only that, never, either one of them would they, be starters on Bruins, half the teams in the league. Yeah. The Bruins like their fans are never asking each other who's starting the game in fear that it's gonna be a backup. They go, Oh, okay, this guy's playing tonight, cool. They don't actually yeah. care because their chances of winning don't go down either way. <laughs> Yeah, exactly right. So, but I think the Kings are, are they're going to have a lot of things that need need to be fixed and work on. Um, obviously, I don't see them being a seller or anything at the deadline. Like, if you're making this coaching change, it's because you're still yeah. going all in to make the playoffs. But if I'm the Kings, also, I'm not, I'm not sending out assets and first round picks. Like, if anything, I'm probably staying where the team's at come the deadline because they're in no position where they should be sending out assets to make the team better when I, I don't think this team is is in any area to be a legit contender as of this moment. Unless they go on a, you know, a ten, like a 10-game win streak or they win eight out of their next, you know, nine or 10 games or something, really um, get on a hot streak and get going i think they should just stick where they're at and if they make it great if they don't there's always you know, next re, year. Re, like they got, recovering they got quite yeah. a few young guys they're looking good go into the future yeah i think stay the course and uh next just know that next year will probably be better yeah exactly um, um at the moment they are at 56 points uh only three behind uh the oilers at 59 um looks like yeah. uh 56 so they would be in a wild card spot 
they would be in the first wildcard spot in the West. So it's it's not like they've fallen off a cliff. They're still in the playoffs relatively securely. They've got the Blues yeah. and the Preds right behind them, and they should be able to beat teams like that. But uh, we'll realistically they should, yeah, yeah. So we'll see what they do going forward. But yeah. Uh, yeah, the recent skid was just too much for for them to not fire Todd McClellan. Like there was too many people calling for him. Yeah, and you know what? I think looking back on it in six eight months, are gonna be like, damn, we wish we still had him. Because yeah, I, I, again, I still think he's one of the better coaches in the league. And there's a reason um, he's one of the top five uh, tenured coaches in the league. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like he's been around and again, since what twenty. 16? Uh, no, I think, like he joined, I think he joined the Kings in 2018, I think. 2018. For an NHL think... coach, that's a pretty long time. Doesn't seem like it, but... Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, yeah, they, it's going to be interesting to see how, what the Kings kind of uh, do throughout the rest of the season, but... You know, like I said, I think Tom McClellan always kind of had this team overachieve a bit from where they should have been. So now it's really going to be on, you know, Jim Hiller. Now, what kind of system does he bring in? Does he kind of run somewhat of the same system or is, or is there going to be a lot of shakeup and, uh, you know, McClellan w- wasn't able to, but can he help maybe Dubois find, find out how to, how to play anymore or what, what do they like? Cause they got to figure out how to get him going. Like they brought him yeah, in to they be, they have to get him going. And if you're paying him that much money, talent, if, if he's happy there, genuinely, I think he will figure it out. We, it, this would not be the first time we've seen guys get traded and not gel with the system in the first year. Uh, sometimes they need an offseason, let them cook, figure it out, and then they come out gangbusters. So yeah. if, if he does badly next year, then I'd be worried. But I, as it stands, I think PL, PLD is probably going to be fine. You know, The biggest thing is just get it, helping him get his confidence going. Yeah. it's very clear that he's lacking some confidence right now. And if you can get that back in him, yeah, I think he can 100% turn it around. But if you can't help him get that confidence back, it then it, then you you might run into a tough spot. So I think that's got to be his biggest um, area of focus, kind of coming in and working with that. Yeah. Um. The... The absolutely massive news, this kind of randomly dropped um, right before the All-Star weekend. I was certainly not expecting it. Uh, But the NHL is going back to the Olympics. They they announced that uh, uh, Gary Bettman himself announced that NHL players will be participating or be allowed to participate in the 2026 and 2023 Olympics. Uh, we think this yep. is a great stage for the best on best, he said. Uh, no shit. We've all known that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. you know what? To hear him say it is still good. Um, when was the last time they even went to the Olympics? Um, in... What's it? They, did, they didn't go in 2022. They didn't go in 2018. So it would have been 2014. Yeah. Yeah, it was 2014. And... Oh, man, we were... So to put into perspective, the last time Canada, like, or I guess NHL players went to the Olympics, one of Canada's best defensemen was Mark Edward Vlasic. So that yeah. 
McDavid had not even been drafted, let alone played a game. Yeah. Like, it's absurd how long we've had to wait. And thank God now is when we're bringing it back. Because if he waited until after 2026, I don't think we get to see McDavid and Crosby ever play together in the Olympics. And that would be of... That would be blasphemy. That would be a travesty of the sport to not be able to see that. Um, yeah. He might have already fucked over Stamkos enough that he might not go. I, he's gotten better with age in the past few years. I think he's still going to be able to make this 2026 team, but it will be tough. It's going to be tough. It's it, going to be, be tough. Close. It'll be close. I think he's going to get in, and I don't even care if this is the reason. I just want him to get in. But I think there's a very good chance that John Cooper is the head coach of that Canada team. There's, there is a very good chance, yeah. And it, it would be such a shame for Stamkos to have had the leg injury in 2014 and not go. And then feet out, the rug out from under his feet, they don't go one year. And then they were going to go in 2022. But I wonder if they were actually going to, or if Bettman just said that knowing that it would get canceled because of COVID concerns. Yeah. Yeah. That I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sure on. I almost, I almost think he said, yeah, you can go in bad faith to, because he knew it wouldn't end up happening. Mm-hmm. Um, one, one thing that is interesting um, with this, and this definitely hurts Canada quite a bit. Um, not, nothing is, is confirmed, but, there is potential that we will not get um, Kale McCarr on Team Canada um, for this, and that is due to the um, the ongoing investigation, obviously, of the 2018 World Juniors team and all of those players um, on that team have been suspended indefinitely in terms of international um, by the IIHF. So, oh, everyone on the team. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And and it sounds like there there is a um there there is like an appeal process that can be done, but all players are currently suspended by Hockey Canada. So you know, so they can't participate in any any Hockey Canada sanctioned programs. So, you know, depending on again on it may, it may even just be when the trial happens with it or whatnot. Um yeah. Again, if, if what the appeal process is, but so nothing's confirmed, but there is potential that we we wouldn't um, see Kale McCarr. On and Canada. that would hurt Team Canada. And that would just be a shame because you want to see all the best players be there, you know, assuming yeah. they're all, you know, not guilty of something. He's obviously not one of the five players who is uh, directly being charged with anything. But yeah, um, yeah, that's that's almost strange at that. At this current point, with what we know, the whole team is still suspended. Um, I wonder if that'll be lifted soon or maybe coming up towards the... Towards I imagine, the if anything, it wouldn't be until else. the end. I imagine yeah. it wouldn't be until the end of the the investigation. Yeah, it would just... It would be a shame for Kale McCarr. Like, I'm not a massive Kale McCarr fan or anything, but uh, he should be there. Like, if he, he did. If he he's making some headlines right now, though. Um, like he wasn't involved in anything then he, he did make a really there. odd quote um when talking about the situation recently okay. um i'm not going to read the whole thing but this is kind of the 
just the part that um, everybody's kind of looking to and just thought it was, and again, take, take it for, for what it's worth. I think most people are just, uh, are like, it's just worded very weirdly the way he says it. Like it's not a, 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 a typical response to something kind of it's like this. It's not easy to talk to reporters. Yeah. Like, so basically what he said yeah. was he said, I wasn't there. It was a very fortunate bounce to not be a part of something like that. And the part everybody's kind of mm. focusing to is saying it's a very fortunate bounce, which yeah, I don't really like how, how and, and the way people are taking this, how, why are you saying like you're fortunate that you weren't like a part of this? Like, yeah, it, he makes it, it sound like something he missed, like you're he lucky. Missed the text, he missed the invite. Yeah. Or something, but I, so again, wonder, yeah, take it, take it for what it's worth. I wonder if that's almost in reference to the other three guys who like were like present but not active in it, you know, like because yeah. they, I have no idea. They might get charged with something eventually as well if they figure out who those are. If they don't already know who it is, I think um, they, I think they know who. Well, that I think they'll, they obviously would have to know who they are at this point. But again, I think it's they don't, they weren't like. Again, it's what what necessarily can they need They're to find the something they could actually against them. Yeah. yeah. They, they have would to have find to find something, something to charge them with. And also the uh the accuser would have to want to go after them. Like if they were yeah. If they were just there and she doesn't care about that, then I mean that's that. Um but yeah, hopefully they get that to squared up and anybody who isn't involved is allowed to go to international things as soon as possible. Yeah, yeah, and then it'll be interesting to see the whole process of because I had not heard um, about that. That's a that's a big development. It, it it only dropped, I think, last night. I think someone brought it to light um, because I again, I think it's one of those things that kind of just got forgotten about over time, and then someone's like, yeah. "No, like, yeah, they're well, they're yeah, still suspended." Getting, so getting suspended from international play. I mean, first of all, international play wasn't happening as far as we knew until uh, a couple days ago. And also, who would, who on that team would even go to the Olympics? Like, Kale McCarr is one of the only ones. The, the only one. Like, the only other one you could have said was maybe Carter Hart. And that's just because Canada's goaltending situation is probably the worst we've ever seen it. Um, worst in a long but, time. But obviously, I don't think Carter Hart will ever even be playing um, hockey at any professional level again. So that's not even part of it. So in with Kale McCarr, yeah. it'll... It'll be interesting um, to, to see leaks in Russia. Yeah, and anywhere in Europe, honestly, we've seen Russia really is the uh, uh, get ready to learn Chinese buddy of the NHL. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the KHL. Yeah. Um, other news regarding international play: um, there will be no All Star game next year in 2025. Instead, there will be a Four Nations face-off tournament um, that will be taking place in Boston and Montreal. And that'll take place between four countries, that being Canada, uh, the United States, Finland, and Sweden. Um, so they will do a... Uh, it sounds like the format for it will be a round robin. So every team plays each other. And then it'll end up being the, the top two teams um, will play in a final winner take all um game for that so something a little bit different i think 
I, again, I don't know if it's that's a fun I mean, idea. I I don't love that it's Canada, U.S., Finland, Sweden, and that's it. I think yeah. Canada and the U.S. are big enough that you can that could be the team. I think that's fine. But I think it should be you know uh, Sweden, German, Czechia, etc. versus uh, Sweden, uh, Switzerland, you know Yugoslavia or, or whatever. <laughs> Slovakia. I named a country that's no longer real. But uh, yeah, you know it. Drysidle is not going to play in this. You know, uh, Kopitar, yeah. if he's still at that level, is not going to play in this. Like, uh, it feels weird that if you're not from one of these four countries, well, regardless Pasternak of your skill, even. Pasternak won't be there. Like in some Boston. of the biggest players, yeah. So, it. I really do think the the Finland and Sweden teams should be given like a. It should be Canada and U.S. and then Europe East and Europe West or something like that. Yeah. You know, find a way to evenly spread out the talent between the two teams and then make those the the four teams. Yeah, it's just very odd that they decide to throw this in because, like, you know, they, they kind of revamped the All-Star weekend this year, and I think it, it did quite well as opposed to previous years. And then you've already got yeah. the Olympics coming up in 2026 now, and then it sounds like there's also... there's The talks are really heating up to kind of revitalize... Um, the World Cup of Hockey again, which would consist of a lot more countries like we saw before. So it feels kind of weird that they're they're pushing this in when it doesn't really need to be right now. Like it's a cool concept, yeah, but do we need it? Not really, it, considering this would what have we're been gonna fantastic get. Fantastic in 2018, like around then when yeah. we were getting no international play at that yeah, level. exactly. But then to be uh, like, we're, so you're getting it now. now, but we're going to throw more in. It's a, a bit of an odd decision. Best on best but... hockey, like, I will take it. It's fun. But it's yeah. uh, a bit strange, uh, especially with the timing. But we'll, we'll take what we can get for best on best hockey. Yeah. And then speaking of the, uh, the All-Star Weekend, um, nothing, you know, major coming from, like, I, I think it was it was quite well done as opposed to what we were um, used to before, seeing. Before we fully move off of the Winter Olympics, uh, I do just want to throw in that the uh, 2026 Winter Olympics uh, will be played on NHL-sized ice. Um, oh, yes. That, yeah, that's right. Uh, I just wanted to throw that in before we moved on. Um, I wonder, like, was that a, a big argument? Was that an issue? Was that Bettman just kind of uh, nuts on the table being like, I'm the big man and use my ice? Or uh, I, I'm interested to know uh, who cared on what side or if they were just all like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Because yeah, they have had the Olympic sized ice for quite, quite some time, quite a few decades mm -hmm. at this point. Um, so to change it to the NHL sized ice, I wonder if they cared too much. Yeah. Or if it was just easier for the players. Yeah, yeah. I'm on a section. I'm not too sure what the the process was behind that, or kind of who spearhead that. My thing is probably it's like, you know, I'm assuming they probably would have like some NHL players probably were a part of this process and were like, you know, we'd prefer this. And when Bettman, you know, talked to the the IOC, um, was like, you know what? Yeah, we're yeah. we're gonna let NHL players come back, but I, they would like to have it be done on, on NHL sized ice instead. Yeah. 
because that's the majority of the players that will be playing there will be used to the NHL sized ice. So I'm not exactly yeah. sure how many people would be like, no, we, we like the Olympic sized ice. Um, yeah. I think a big part of it was also kind of uh, trying to avoid some of the shenanigan shenanigans that went on in the, uh, the dead puck era with, uh, you know, goalies playing it behind the net. So yeah. I don't know if they use, if they use the trapezoid rule in the Olympics, I think that would eliminate the need for the Olympic sized ice. Yeah. So that might have had uh, a hand in it as well. Yeah. But yeah, yeah we can, um, uh, go back to the uh, All Star weekend, as you were saying. Yeah. Um, like, you know, nothing super major with it. Um, Team Matthews obviously ended up winning uh, the, the little mini tournament, um, beating Team McDavid in the finals and then obviously uh in toronto there um austin matthews did end up winning uh the all-star mvp um mcdavid won the skills competition you know no one's really surprised by that uh you could tell he was kind of embarrassed at at the end when he won because i can't remember who was interviewing him but they mentioned that they're like you know you were part of uh creating this and then you could tell he's kind of getting embarrassed but it was like you know what that's that's fair. Like he, they made it very well known that he was a big part of this new process. And you know what? To be fair, regardless of the way it was done, McDavid was going to win. He should probably win. It would make the most sense. He is the most skilled. We know this. Yeah. Uh, but I, I really like the new concept of it. I think it actually, um, you know, I think it made it more, more entertaining to watch and actually seeing. Uh, players partake in the in, in the like the actual skills that they put into the game, not uh, just doing random, random little you know fun things. Actually, kept it hockey it felt, focus. It felt closer to an all star game than watching NHL players play IRL Mario Party. Like they were so exactly they, they had so much mini game energy to the past few all-star competitions with like yeah. the, the saucer pass thing where you're trying to land on the targets. Like it's kind of cool, but it's like, it's, it was a little too out there. Maybe they're just too early with it, but right now they just, yeah. Uh, simpler is better. And I think, I think a lot of it went really well. Um, yeah. I um, think they thing... did a massive good thing by bringing in the celebrity coaches. I think that brought a lot of character to each team. Uh, All of them had pretty good charisma in one way or another. And for maybe the first time that I've seen it, but all four of them were like actually like celebrities. Like I remember when they had the all-star competition in Vegas and they announced the breakaway competition judges. I didn't know a single one of them. And there was like 12 judges that they rotated out. And like, it was like, this is the drummer from some band you've never heard of. And it's like, what? Like, there was so many random people. So to see actual celebrities was pretty cool. Well, not only that, the fact that, I mean, probably mostly because it was, it was in Toronto, it's in Canada, but it was all Canadian celebrities. Yeah. But like still, I think even for uh, Americans, I think they probably recognized uh all four of them yeah maybe not take so. mccray i don't 
I don't know. We definitely uh, get a lot of Tate McRae playing on the radio up here. Um, That's I just because she's I don't know from the much, area. So yeah, I don't know how much they play her in the states, but like, uh, I mean, they all know Justin Bieber. They all know Will Arnett. Uh, Michael. Everybody Bublé's know. A, everybody a knows Michael Bublé. Everybody knows they Michael didn't, Bublé. They do now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he, uh, he um, had a lot of charisma out there. That was fun. One one change I would make to it, though, and it's it's a very minor one, and it's easily something that that could be done. Uh, more goalies, like you know, it was it was all focused around the players. Um, we only saw the goalies for a little bit, and that was during the um, the second stage of of the All Star. After the first four players were eliminated, we then got um, the eight goalies to come out, but we only got to see a minute of them in one-on-ones against a player and then uh that was it so I, I would like to see something where we see some again even if they did something of going back to uh i can't remember what year it was but seeing the goalies take part in like some shooting and and whatnot like yeah. because playing the puck is starting to become a huge part of of being a goalie in the league so given the goalies the ability to to showcase that and yeah, have, have some fun with that. Have stand in their crease and shoot on a net at the other end and have like, uh, you know, the small hole in the middle, five points, and then at the edges, uh, two bigger ones. Where Which is what they used coming. to do, and that, and that yeah. was awesome. Yeah, and that, that was, was a lot of fun. fun. And uh, the, the save streak one, you know, just all kinds of things like that. I think they were, they do, uh, the goalies a little dirtier this year. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I completely agree. Um, and, and even for the save streak, you know, you could, uh, realistically, you could have Justin Bieber take part in that because he can, he can play hockey quite well. He even took part in warmups with team Matthews, or even maybe you take, you know, if there's a couple players who aren't part of the skills competition, who want to be a part, be like, Hey, do you want to be a part of doing this, the save streak with the goalies? And then the, the guys doing the skills competition aren't a part of this. And this is. So you guys get to have some fun throughout the day and be part of of this for the goalies, which yeah, I think they they definitely could do. Um, yeah, you know how many uh, you know how many highlight reels he'd be on if like Justin Bieber like somehow got a puck passed and went bar down on a goalie like yeah exactly right you're just begging for like one of those like moments that goes viral yeah um the only other thing I'll say I I know you may not be a fan of this. Um, no, go for it. My my biggest two takeaways um, from what I've seen fans sing online is uh, Matthew Barzell's stock in terms of fans has gone through the roof over the weekend, um, and then Nikita Kucherov's has really dropped low. Um, yeah, people are not a fan of his. Not not only in the eyes of the fans, but even some higher ups, um, an unnamed individual who we won't know. Um, but they were they talked to Elliot Friedman and Elliot Friedman thought yeah. there was enough merit behind it to talk about it, saying that his all-star effort um could potentially cost him the yeah. heart trophy at the end of the season. Yeah. Whoever he was talking to said that in his that guy's opinion, it should take away from his heart trophy potential, which yeah is yeah. insane. Like if you think he's a douchebag for it, that's fine. Like I get that. Uh but you know, if if you if you think it's embarrassing because they get paid millions of dollars to play hockey, like I get all that, but to say that the All Star Game, anything that goes on there, should have 
merit towards the major awards is crazy to me. Yeah, I I, I completely and, agree. With that. And and I, luckily, I don't think it's a, all a the people who dislike Kucherov, I've seen all I've seen almost every hockey fan saying the same thing that, uh, you know, I don't like what he did. I don't like Kucherov in general, but this is wrong. This is like it like sounds corrupt. Like it sounds like a uh Maple Leafs insider like trying to sway the vote or something like it's it's it was very weird thing to say we don't know who said it but yeah and I don't even think he was to to do it purposely I think it was more so it's easier to be like oh I I lost because I didn't try rather than being like I went out there and gave it 110 percent and I I came up short type of thing exactly so yeah, I think I think it's a bit of that. Um, I think also uh, Kucherov loves being booed, particularly in Toronto. He said this on multiple occasions. Um, he got a bit lackadaisical with it, specifically in the uh, stick handling competition. So he was going let's and, call and it, the passing. Yeah, the main Those one was the stick really handling. Bad. But uh, when when I watched that, he was going 70, 80 percent speed. Like he wasn't given it by any means, but he wasn't, he wasn't at a crawl. And then Mm -hmm. the crowd started booing and he heard that and he slowed down to about 60. He, he, you can very actively see when he hears the boos, he slows down, he snow plows for half a second and slows down even more to, to play it up. And that, that was kind of fun to me. Like, I know I'm going to sound like a Homer, but like, you know, he he was already not doing much to kind of play a bit of a villain. Like Kucherov not caring about the all-star competition is a more fun villain to have in the league than headshot artist Nick Cousin, you know? Mm-hmm. But, like at least there it can be fun to hate him this way. He's not just <laughs> dangerous. Um, yeah. I do yeah. want to I mean, there's, there's the two sides you can look to it, like the, the Kucherov taking the booze and having it drop him, whereas... Again, you know, a guy like Barzell, just because he's on, like, it's not Barzell specifically, but it's just because he's he's an Islanders player. He's not very well liked in Toronto. And by the end of it, he might have been getting some of the most cheers because he was, he was probably, up. he was the, the dark horse to win. He had the lowest odds to to win the the skills competition, and he was right up there with McDavid. At the end? He ended up finishing in third, um, and that was just through the, uh, the obstacle course, it was doing the little saucer passes into the mini net. He hit probably about 30 posts on those yeah. mini nets. He just couldn't get that through. But the time when he got there, if he rattled through that, um, he would have ended up finishing in second. And that's, but like nobody was, yeah. was beating McDavid in that. Um, like you said, Kucherov was a uh, very lackadaisical with his uh, performance in the passing and the stick handling. <laughs> Um, but one thing I do just want to bring up, just because I'm seeing a lot of people act like Kucherov was like doing snow angels on the ice. Um, but these are the times for the uh, stick handling competition. So McDavid, McDavid obviously in first, uh, 25.7 seconds. Barzell, 26.9. Nylander, 27.2, 27.7. Uh, everyone is under 30, just barely, but everyone there is under 30. Uh, except for Kucherov and David Pasternak. Pasternak was at 38.4 seconds, and Kucherov was at 44.1. But Pasternak was a lot longer because he missed the net at the end. Kucherov also lost the puck at the very beginning and had to go chase it to the side. And, like, 
he was obviously slower. He was obviously not caring. I'm not going to say he didn't. He was given his best by any means, but he only was behind him by six seconds, which is goofy, but he, he wasn't going as slow as I feel like some people are saying. It almost seems like people parroting things without actually seeing the clip. Like, he mm -hmm. was clearly going slower, but, like, he wasn't, you know, outright. I, I'm surprised there's as much of a stink about it as there is, to be honest. Because when I saw it, I was like, he's, uh, he's, being, he's, he's being goofy with it, for sure. But uh, I, I did not take it as he doesn't give a fuck to the umpteenth degree that everyone else saw. Um, no, I, obviously pa that me had a couple blunders. Like, he, he, was, he was doing quite well. Um, and then the biggest one is he came in at the end and yeah, did the toe did drag and missed the net. So he had to go yeah. and find the puck wherever it went and then uh, come back and put it in. For such an insane goal scorer, Pasternak's missed a couple of really easy open nets in his career, yeah. huh? He's got a yeah. couple of, couple <laughs> yeah. of bad-looking clips. Yeah, and I mean, but... you know, Gretzky had it, lost it. So nobody's but... immune to to the big blunders. Yeah, but overall, I, I really like kind of the new revamped way they did the All-Star Weekend. I think if they, you know, the next, whenever the next one they do, because obviously there won't be in, in 2025 now, there won't be one in 2026 because of the Olympics. Uh, so it, it we're going to, it's now three years um, until we get the next one. But again, if they do it similar on the lines of uh, of what we got this weekend, I think they'll start getting more and more people back in into giving a shit about the all-star weekend not to mention uh just having more time you know we get one every year maybe after three years people are like holy crap the all-star weekend's back let's go like people just absence making the heart fonder might uh get people invested in that alone i could definitely see it yeah exactly right um one other thing we were saying uh a couple of different things that we'd like to see changes made i think to avoid uh uh situations like Kucherov's um don't suspend players for not going like you sh you should want players to want to be there so don't <laughs> you shouldn't have to make a punishment if they don't go like I get it you might lose out on some but you know you know what even if uh low don't even give out a million dollar reward for the guy who wins you know uh, lower that to 500k and then give every single guy that shows up 25 50k uh, and and match that with a charity of their choice or something like just for showing up and participating give them something and you can easily tie that with so many charities and i think a lot of guys would still go i don't think you need to pay players to go or anything but i do agree it's like if you don't want to yeah. be there you you shouldn't be suspended like um i think that is kind of a silly rule yeah um but again i i also see the part of it is like this is a you know the, like again this is all kind of more directed towards you know younger generations and whatnot where they kind of want to see the the best play and like this wasn't a big issue back in the day of the all-star weekend like you would always kind of see the best players go there and everybody wanting to be there but it's starting to be now that when teams are getting that um you know 
all for all the players that aren't going they get that kind of weekend off of they get to go on on vacation somewhere and whatnot and hang out with their teammates and and i think that's kind of the biggest reason why you're now seeing players not want to go because they'd rather be off in you know cancun with their buddies or and yeah partying up having having a good time rather than going to to cold toronto for for a weekend like and yeah, I, and i think like, that's a big part of it i bet if it was in you know la for i bet kutra probably wouldn't care i think yeah. he would he would have been fine but the I fact mean, that it's going up to cold yeah. toronto for the weekend i think i think it was a perfect storm i think he loves getting booed in toronto plays into it going up to toronto instead of you know where has it been recently vegas tampa florida like it's been in these destination places and also i believe this is the first year he's ever gone where he hasn't had another lightning player so he didn't uh he didn't exactly yeah. have you know he didn't have vasilevsky ha- to hang out with the whole time because uh i know a lot of the foreign players do a lot but like but Sergei he had other Vasiak russian players all the time he had other like, russian players there he could have could have hung out with like that's the same situation a lot of players were in yeah that that went there yeah there's just there's a lot at play, and uh, I do definitely think that uh, location is. Uh, I think is that was big the, the biggest. Yeah, um, I think that was, was a big part Ovechkin of it. the first player to kind of publicly like I don't want to, I don't want to do. I feel like that was I the first so, time yeah. I heard it. He he was like I don't want to go, and that's when they made the rule that you get suspended if you don't go. Right. Yeah. And that's a. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's too bad it came to that because for a long time it was everyone wants to go, everyone wants to be an all star, and it's it's too bad back when it kind of meant something a little bit more than than what yeah. it does today. Um, I only have one more thing on the all star weekend, uh, and that's a very quick. Um, Quinn Hughes and Kale McCarr are just like since they entered the league, everyone talks about them interchangeably. You know who's better, who does what better. Um, you know they. They just seem to be talked about uh, almost in a Crosby Ovechkin esque comparison. Um, so it was mm-hmm. really cool to see uh, Quinn Hughes posted uh, his time fourteen point zero eight eight seconds for the fastest skater, and after that, Kale McCarr went and posted a fourteen point zero eight nine. Yeah, they were right there with each other. Kale McCarr was behind him by zero, 0.001 second. Yeah. And that was... it For it to be those two and that close is just Exactly, wild. right? Like, yeah. That's the drama we're looking for here. That that was fun to watch. Yeah, it added a little extra. A little extra fun to that. That kind of little debate between the two of of it all. Especially when both are so good at skating, you know, very uh, yeah, highly talked about with their skating ability, whether it's their edge work or pure speed. So it's funny to yeah. see how close they really are in overall speed. Yeah. Um. What um, do? Oh, I guess they're really only the. I mean, we'll quickly throw it in there. It doesn't really mean much. Um. But the Penguins signed for Yikes. Jesse Pugliarvi um to a two-year contract um that continues throughout the rest of this season and uh next and it carries um a a cap pit of eight hundred thousand. um you know is it going to be much for the penguins i don't 
I don't really know. We like pulled it. I mean, really hasn't been able to find his, his game. It's hard in not the to NHL. look at it as a great signing just because he was drafted. What? Third overall. Uh, fourth. Fourth overall. So, I mean, 800 K like, is it a, it's probably a two way contract, honestly. Like, it, it, I think it probably is. It's so low risk, but like, if he just is a different player and turns it on, like, I mean, there you go. Like, realistically, it, what, I, what I see it being is, um, his last chance it is, is like, not only that, but it's like, you know, a fourth liner role. Like if you can yeah. throw in some depth scoring, great. But really, it's it's go out there and be a big body and and play a good defensive game, which uh, I think is could really help the Penguins. But it's not like he's going to be coming in and expecting to to be a workhorse offensively and and help drive plays. It's yeah. play a smart game, play a responsible one, and maybe you can uh, make a nice little career for yourself here. Um, yeah. Just being be a, a role dependable for guy us. for seven minutes a night. And if you pick up a thing or two from Crosby in practice, then you can move up. But yeah, you know, because if, if anyone could turn him into a star that we thought he might be for a long time, uh, it would be Sidney Crosby and the boys. So, yeah, yeah, it's I love signings like this. Like, it's just there. there's so little risk to it. But like and even if it's not likely, if you hit on that he turns around and is just that guy all of a sudden you look like a genius well not only that even if he can you know be, become a solid middle six player or something yeah and if the penguins 30, are out of it come 30 points a year and is a plus like you're going well, if the penguins are outside of a playoff spot come next year if you're trading pulley at eight hundred thousand to a team like you could potentially get something something good back for him because if a team's acquiring a, a middle six guy who can maybe slot in on the power player on their second line for eight hundred thousand, like you, you, you yeah. could also potentially get quite a bit back for him. So it's a, it's a the lowest risk possible, um, and there's there's very good upside to it potentially. Yeah, it really just uh, depends on what Pulleyarvi is able to do now um, with the Penguins moving forward. Yeah. Um, I guess the only other thing really to talk about is the uh, Sean Monahan trade, right? Yeah. Yeah, it kind of broke just before uh, the start of the weekend. Um, I, I don't know how to feel about this trade, if I'm being honest. For Winnipeg side, like for Montreal. <laughs> yeah. The home run. Um, I think so this was the Jets' response to the Lindholm trade a little bit. Yeah. I think the Jets are really wanting to, you know, everyone's talking about the Canucks, but we are serious this year and they want to go all the way. And I think Sean Monaghan helps them out. It's a lot yeah. to give up. They gave, so to the Jets went to uh, Sean Monaghan uh, and that's it. And then the Habs got back uh, the Winnipeg Jets 2024 first round pick uh, and a conditional third round pick i believe it's a fourth round pick that turns into a third it's a they make the play it's a it's or a no. 2027 third round pick um if winnipeg wins the cup this year montreal gets it if winnipeg doesn't win the cup then it's just the the 2024 first i see so um it's but again i i don't i don't even hate it for winnipeg because 
when you look at it, like they've got, um, I'm, I'm just pulling up a list here. Like they got so many up, up and coming prospects that they're in a, at a point where they can afford to, to part ways with, with a first round pick. And if, especially if you're banking on it, if you're banking on it being a late, uh, a later first round pick to get a guy like Monahan who can help them in that center position that they're, they, they, they do need help. Like they've made it work where they're at, but adding a guy in like Monahan, um, I think could definitely help them out. Like just to look at some of their recent drafts, like r- really, if it's, a first round pick they almost kind of would would have had to go the route of a defenseman i would think because you know you've got cole perfetti now who's, who's just come up and he's, he's now a part of the team um and then over the last three years uh chaz um Chaz-Lucious, lucius rutger mcgrody um brad lambert and then just last year colby barlow so you've still got four young good forward prospects um coming up into the mix so can you get away with with a year without a first round pick absolutely and And it fills a hole that they needed so they're doing so well right now to have guys of that caliber coming up through your system like Mm -hmm. like it's obviously way too early and the league there's so much parity it's hard to be good for a long time but like like this looks like the beginning of a dynasty like this looks like a team that could be a force for a long time. You got a guy like Connor Hellebuck in net. You got you got all these young, incredible forwards while the team's still doing so well up front. And yeah. you know, like their top six is incredible, especially after that uh Pierre Luc Dubois trade. Yeah. Their depth got better as and well with Josh with Morris. Josh Morrissey has been incredible, absolute rock on the blue line. Like they, yeah. they have all the pieces of a cup winning team. Yeah, they just I, I, there's a very point. realistic possibility we could see um, Winnipeg and Vancouver in in the Western Final this year. Yeah, which would be incredible. But one thing worth noting is the fact that Montreal essentially got two first round picks out of Sean Monahan. Because they got um, Calgary's 2025 first round pick when they just had to take on Monaghan's contract for one year. And then they flip them and they get another first. So really, you, you helped Monaghan revitalize his career. You got two first round picks out of it. And there's and, also a lot of speculation and that... And you got the games out of him too. Like, games played is valuable. That. Like, he played well for you. Like, they, there is not a facet here where they lost. They well, and there's also speculation reasons. that, um, because I'm assuming Monahan, this is just a pure rental for the Jets, just because when you look at what they've already got in place with their core and then their young players coming up, I, I just don't think Monahan fits in long term with them. Yeah. So there's lots of speculation that Monahan, because he made it very well known, he loved it in Montreal and would like to stay there. There's there's very realistic possibility we could see a, a Antoine Vermette situation when. He was traded from the the Coyotes to the Blackhawks for a first round pick. He went on won a cup with them. Right as soon as free agency started, he went and signed back with the Coyotes. And we could very well see that with with Monahan. We could see him go back to Montreal. So Montreal ends up with Sean Monahan in the end, and they got two first round picks out of it. Potentially a third if if Winnipeg goes all the way. 
Yeah. And I mean, so, they got uh, Calgary's 2025 first, did you say? Yeah. Yeah. So they got two firsts this well, year and two firsts next well, year. Well, Calgary's not, Calgary's not exactly looking great. That could be a good pick. That, that could, could end up being a very good pick for them. Yeah. And you know what? If, if the team's not doing good and that's like, I'm assuming it's probably top 10 protected, that just means you get an unprotected pick the next year. I don't think there's any conditions on that Calgary pick. Really? The majority of teams, like very few first rounders leave that aren't at least top five protected or top 10. Like, like even in the Tanner Janot trade with oh, Tampa, like we, so it's, we even it's protected not... ours top 10 because you just have to nowadays. It's, um, uh, they, they, they get, they get the lower one of, cause Calgary's got Florida's, um, 2025 first, which right. was part of the Matthew Kachuk trade. So if Cal, okay. So the way it works is if Calgary's pick is not in the top 10, then Montreal will get Calgary's pick. And if Florida's pick is not in the top 10 and is the better pick, then yeah. Then Montreal gets that one. Okay. I, I do now that now that we're talking it out, I do remember when it came out, everyone was like, How the hell does this work? But yeah, it's like Yeah. Both of them are both it's they get one of the picks, top ten protected but I think they get the better pick as long as it's yeah. not top 10. Yeah. If they're both not top 10, then they receive the better of the pick. So say Calgary gets the 11th and Florida's like 20th or something. They get Calgary's 11th. Accurate. But if Calgary finishes um, with a top 10 pick, then it, they would get uh, Florida's. Yeah. So either way, yeah, they're, they're still getting another first round pick next year. Um So yeah, I mean, it, like it's great work by Montreal. Who, yeah, they absolutely knocked it out of the park with that one. And geez, if he comes back to Montreal, like that's a passionate fan base, and they will love that man. I think they already do, but if he wins them, if he wins them two picks, and yeah, comes back for more, like. That's very similar to the Elias Lindholm, like I was I was saying before. Like if he came back to Calgary after this playoff run with Vancouver, he will be beloved by the franchise even more than he already is. Yeah. Like, could you imagine if yeah, it's, both it's those guys just go back to their teams afterwards? I'm not saying like yeah, that there's nothing that uh, that prevents them from from going down that road. So it's Lindholm. I don't think so, just because I I. Much less likely. He'll be a way bigger cap hit than... Uh, and than yeah, Calgary's just... Calgary, first of all, wasn't willing to pay him that. Second of all, I don't think they can. And it doesn't make sense for them to. Yeah. Um. But... Uh, yeah, I, like... Uh, right now, I think it's a good deal for both teams. You could make the arguments a little bit of an overpay for Winnipeg. But when you break down the pieces that they already have and coming up... They they can get away without a first right round now. pick this year, yeah. Especially when they're one of the top teams in the league. Like it's it's not you you stay patient and and be like oh you know look towards the future. It's like when you're the one of the best teams in the league, you have to go all in. 
Like, yeah, and it the trade is essentially a first round pick. It's a first round pick for Sean Monahan. We don't even talk about the third round pick because it's not involved unless they win the cup. And if you win the cup, you won the trade hands down. It doesn't matter. So yeah. we don't even need exactly. to talk about that third rounder until it turns into, you know, Kirill Kaprizov in 2030. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. So um, great, great deal for both teams. Montreal continuing to work through this rebuild. I think they're handling it very well. And then Winnipeg, um, I think they'd be further set on along the if they weren't just hammered with injuries, man. God, yeah. the last three, like three years in a row, like so many of their guys are out. When they were playing in the, the COVID shortened year, they had ECHL players playing because they had so many NHL and AHL injuries and COVID illnesses that they literally had ECHL guys playing on the Montreal Canadiens. Like, yeah, yeah, it was a it was a tough time for them. That's yeah, for sure. It's, it's been a tough go, and they're it's it's looking up. It's looking up now. Yeah, yeah, they're they're doing it right there. So, um, but I think that kind of wraps up everything we had um for this episode. Yeah, as as uh, I, I, uh, I mean, I do have the scoring leaders and stuff, but it's it's literally been one like two NHL games played since then. I, I don't think any of this changed, so we'll uh, we'll just do that on uh, the Friday episode. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks to everybody for for tuning in and joining us for this uh, special midweek episode of the Stick 'Em Up podcast. As always, you can find us over on uh, Instagram or Twitter slash X. Uh, there was a lot of uh, all-star talk over the weekend. We are very active over on Twitter there. Um, so if you want, feel free to to join in there and uh, you know say hi, join in on the conversations we have over there. Um, but with that, thanks for listening, and we will catch you guys on Friday.